At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Man, oh man, welcome to the Yanks Go Yard podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Last time we were here, we were talking about the Phillies as a model team, and oh, Andy Martino saying the Yankees shouldn't build themselves like the Phillies. They should be more athletic. Well, that's stupid. The Phillies are rampaging to a World Series. <laughs> nope, not so much. Uh, maybe it does go uh, dark pretty quickly because the Phillies' best players went one for 21 at home in game six and seven, did not do anything at all, wilted to the Diamondbacks twice, and now we got a Rangers Diamondbacks World Series. And that means we can laugh at the Houston Astros, who did not win game seven at home. And believe me, we're going to be doing plenty of that. And here for the commenters saying, oh, Yankee fans, you don't have anything to talk about. Nah, no, we don't. But we can still make fun of you. We, we can still do that. We can still we can still make fun of you because you you choked. You choked hard. And you have your own DJ LeMayhew game six home run moment now forever. And this might be the last podcast that ever remembers that game and the Altuve homer in game five even happened. This might be the end of history remembering that home run. So that's pretty exciting. We do have some Yankees news to talk about, though. Sean Casey gone. Kind of felt like maybe he would be gone, considering he wasn't back. And a month passed after the end of the season when he was supposedly asked back. So makes a lot of sense that he's no longer returning. Another vacancy for the Yankees to fill. And Juan Soto. The Yankees and the Potters have had preliminary conversations very preliminary, I'm sure. They would be insane not to have a conversation about Juan Soto, but how far can those get? And will one rival executive who predicts the Yankees will trade a core member of their current offense in a Soto deal be proven right? We're in spooky mode today. Spooky text. Happy Halloween weekend. Thanks for joining us on the stream. 2 o'clock Eastern every Monday and Thursday, except for this upcoming Monday when we'll be at 3.30 Swapping time slots with the Baseball Insider stream. I implore you to join me there as well with Robert Murray. But if you want Yankees talk, we ain't talking about the Yankees on that stream. All you years to come join us at 3.30. And on all your preferred podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, all the good ones, all the bad ones. Here joining me as always and with a special offer for the fans and listeners and watchers, Thomas Carinante. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining. Uh, Caesar Sportsbook is here running a new sign-up offer that you're not going to want to miss, especially if you like to bet. you got a lot going on right now. World Series is right on deck. College football, NFL, hockey just started, NBA just started, you name it. Um, but new customers can get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,000. That is $1,000. 10 Benjamin Franklins. If you use the code YGY1000 while signing up, not only will your first bet be covered – but you will also be directly supporting your good friends, Adam and Thomas. And we love you guys, and we think you love us. So if you haven't joined Caesar Sportsbook yet, now is the perfect time to make that move. Please just remember to use that code YGY1000 at sign up and place that first bet. Again, YGY1000. Pretty easy. 
This offer is available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. If I could have bet on Sean Casey returning, I probably would have bet that he would have returned. But then at the end of the year, it was weird. Because it was great, by the way. That's that's all great. so cool. Yeah. Are you guys scared yet? Are you shitting your pants? People are um, messaging me on the side. I'm scared, and I'm saying, <laughs> all right. Really I actually scared. just got an email that says I'm frightened and I'm not watching the podcast anymore. Yeah, I got a DM saying I'm a horny single in your area. But then if you scroll down, it says I'm scared of your podcast. <laughs> Roberto loves to bet. Place the bet, Roberto. A thousand free bucks. Um, Sean Casey. I don't know how I feel about this. I feel like this is more of an organizational failure. Um, the communication at the end of the season was once again wrong and dumb. Everyone was saying, or Aaron Boone said that he asked him to come back or something, and then Casey it came said, out. Yeah, it came out early that uh, Greg Joyce reported that Aaron Boone requested that Casey come back, and it was sort of presented as a finality. Like, all right, well, then why would this be reported if he's not coming back? Um, but there was always a Casey element to this. He's never been a hitting coach before. Yeah, uh, he, he was d- d- took an internship with the Yankees for two and a half months. It didn't really seem like this was a desired career path. He'd been killing it on MLB Network for like a decade. So of course he's going to have to say yes. And when it was walked back so quickly at the end of the season, like, well, 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 he's not coming back. We just now no formal offer has been. That's when it seemed like, ah, maybe they're going to find an alternate pathway. But he officially walked away yesterday, announced it on the Mayor's Office podcast. And then we got the dueling narratives of the sources, the sources reporting on sources. And uh, that's when I, I know you got annoyed when you saw the conversation about, well, you know, there was some confusion when Casey got hired. He was too different from Dylan Lawson. It was like, that's the, that's the guy we canned for sucking. Like, yeah. isn't that the whole point? I just, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, and it's fine if they hired him to see if, that type of addition would make any sort of change. Yeah. Um, I would agree. There was no tangible change. Also, the Yankees still have the same shitty offense that they had had. It was worse. It was worse than it was when Dylan Lawson was there and the Yankees managed their best stretch of the season when Sean Casey was hitting coach again, not saying that he made the difference, but you weren't going to see night and day results when you gave the guy two months to figure out, had to revamp one of the most disappointing offenses in the entire league that was riddled with regressions, um, lack of balance, injuries, bad players. So the, the list goes on and on. That report that came out that suggested that there is a disconnect between how the major league uh, operation works and the minor league operation works in terms of the analytics and the flow of information, that is just – that, that's it's malpractice at its finest. Uh, I don't understand how you're even dealing with that type of discord. That means there's so much more wrong than you could have ever imagined if if that is indeed the reality. Um, and if they hired him thinking that he would be similar to Dylan Lawson, I don't understand what the point that I don't I just I don't understand any of it. I, I can't even yeah. speak. Um, we we but, can't act like it's unintended consequences that some rookies found it disconcerting that when they moved from double A, triple A to the majors, they were dealing with a different kind of coach because that's what they hired. That yeah. was the whole point. Uh, and I guess moving forward, what they should do is find someone with Dylan Lawson's philosophies because a lot of people pointed out when Lawson was fired, 
hey, what's happening at the minor league level is working. These minor league teams are top of their divisions in terms of average, in terms of power. They even have good K rates. Only the AAA team this year regressed. Every other minor league team took steps forward, which is why I'm seeing people talk about maybe bringing the AA Somerset hitting coach, Hirsch, up to the major league level. Hey, whatever it is, I think the bottom line was people agreed, hey, whatever's happening to the minor leagues is working, but Dylan Lawson is a terrible communicator who the players don't listen to or trust. Uh, and so they they hired Casey to be a better communicator. He appeared to fix Glaber Torres. He appeared to do something in DJ LeMahieu. But of course, the minor leaguers who come up are going to be hearing something else because they're literally going from one program to a different one. Sean Casey improved the Yankees' patience, not power, none of the other offensive numbers. It was nice to have him there. Uh, Andy Martino insinuated Aaron Judge is going to miss him. He can still call him. It yeah. didn't work having a random schism between the minor league level and the major league level. Now you got to find a Dylan Lawson who's able to communicate his message and you people don't actively tune out. So that's next up on your agenda. Yeah. And I mean, the communication issue is ever present. Brian Cashman, terrible communicator. Hal Steinbrenner, hands off, not confrontational. Aaron Boone. I don't care how many people tell me Aaron Boone's a good communicator. I will never believe it. No, Uh, you watched the clip of him talking in 2003 after making it to the World Series. And and you you just pointed that out. It's like it's it's the same guy. It's a it's a man from 2003 and a man in 2023. They sound like the same dude fumbling for cliches at all times. Just never, never an original thought. Just everything has to be contrived. Uh, I don't the communication thing here is probably more so fortifying the argument that this is what the problem is starting from the top. Obviously, Brian Cashman was probably involved in interviewing Dylan Lawson for the hitting coach job, and he probably saw nothing wrong with Dylan Lawson because he also doesn't know how to communicate. Um, And the fact that you have the Reggie Jackson comments too. I know we briefly touched upon that uh, in the last podcast or we wrote about it on the site, whatever. He's saying that, he said on the Fox pregame uh, to Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter, A-Rod, who asked the question, was that the Yankees front office and organization doesn't value or hear the opinions of former players or, like, I guess, larger-than-life personalities that yeah. previously maybe ran amok too much in the organization under George Steinbrenner? I don't know. Um, but uh, those opinions are good to have, whether you're listening to them or not. I I think just having somebody who has a lot of experience around the game and had experience with winning and had a career that spanned multiple eras probably is valuable. Um, I (laughs) I don't think you have the obligation to listen to it and follow through on it, but if you just have a room full of your own people fortifying your own bullshit, this is what happens, um, and I don't understand why they, the Yankees have seemingly exiled. And you know what's funny is now I think Goose Gosh has had a point. He wanted to stuff Brian Cashman in a garbage can. Um, mm-hmm. We thought that was a little bit uh, inflammatory. Now I don't know. Uh, it's clear that um, there has been a gradual you know, pushing away of, of these stars and personalities and players of yesteryear um, that were intrinsic to a winning culture or intrinsic to at least holding on to a human element of the game um, that has gradually gotten lost as analytics has taken over. Um, and I think that 
go. That's if the Yankees indeed have a problem right now with analytics, either being overbearing on their processes or the analytics that they're focusing on being the wrong aspect of their processes. That means they don't have enough people in whatever room it is communicating the different types of information that need to be heard in order to make informed decisions. And I think that in a vacuum, Reggie Jackson's comment, sure. Like, could he be just upset because the Yankees didn't feel a need for him to have any influence anymore? Absolutely. But you look over time and there, why hasn't Derek Jeter been more involved with the Yankees? I'd love to know that. I don't know why. I don't know if Derek Jeter hasn't had an interest, but he got the job as president of the Marlins. So he clearly had interest in being involved in baseball in some capacity. Why would your most winningest player in modern history not be part of the organization after his career is over? Alex Rodriguez was special advisor for like five minutes and they got rid of him. Carlos Beltran, I understand everything that transpired with the cheating scandal. That might that might be a moot point, but Goose Gossage and all these other guys who were present at spring training who had some sort of influence just completely gone, and the Yankees, there, there's no trace of it. Like Andy Pettit just randomly shows up this year, and it's like, oh, you thought that would might be a good idea? Cool. Like, glad you finally thought that, but I don't know how we got into here uh, after everything that has happened, and now they're maybe realizing that that was wrong. I don't know, but – I think the hitting the hitting coach scenario, especially because the way Casey described it, I don't not believe him. I obviously think being with your family, especially shortly after a divorce and you having two daughters is important, but mm-hmm. he's working for MLB Network that is in Secaucus, New Jersey. I don't know how being in the Bronx makes you that much farther away from your family. Maybe more questions need to be asked there. I don't know, but this is all weird. It doesn't feel right, and whether Sean Casey was the right guy or not, I don't think this was handled correctly. No, absolutely not. And uh, you're seeing names like Tino Martinez and uh, Nick Swisher pop yeah. up from the Simonetti source. I mean, I believe both of those. Tino what, used to coach, coach for the Marlins. Like our comment says, I mean, he assaulted somebody once once upon a time. Uh, but I don't know the details of that. Was a weird incident, and and I don't think that's disqualifying. It was it was like a Marlins prospect who wouldn't pick up the balls after BP or whatever. And so he just went after him and it sounds like an entitled prospect. I don't really know the details of that. And I'd like to, um, but he coached on the Cape league this summer. Like he, he's trying to get back in the dugout and I approve of that. Uh, Nick Swisher. I think I'd rather see him in a different role. He's a great bench coach. I don't know if I want him to be my hitting coach, uh, but neither of those are, you know, Sean Casey doesn't have distinguishing features that give him an advantage over those guys. Sean Casey was never a Yankee. Right. Like Sean Casey uh, does not have any Yankees experience other than knowing Aaron Boone. He was a Red Sox. He was mostly a, a red. He was a tiger. Uh, and he wasn't someone who was even on my hitting coach radar until he was hired as the hitting coach. And so for him to want to take a break now, I don't think all oh, Yankees are screwed without Sean Casey. He had two months to work magic and he didn't. Uh, it was nice having him around. But you're right. It's more the optics of how they handled this. I'm also not on Team Cashman was never good. I don't think that's a fair team to be on. But Brian Cashman has barely made a correct maneuver since 2018. Like, he's almost never taken the correct step. And that's a long period of futility from the front office, especially in a crucial period where you have Aaron Judge in his rookie deal for several years, but still in his prime. And you need to build around him before his cost escalates to the point where it is now. And uh, he had a large window, and he... Got Garrett Cole, congrats, year and a half too late, uh, two years too late. And uh, it's a 
great move, but now he's towards the end of his prime as well, and the roster is worse than it was when he started. So from Stanton to today, yeah, nasty work by Brian Cashman, and that would be fireable for most, for sure. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, you look at all these other organizations, too, where fans are they're starting to be a little bit unrest. Dodgers fans a little bit frustrated with the Dodgers processes. Sound exactly like us. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 wild. And I understand the Dodgers have had a lot of success um, in terms of stability from since 2013 and especially since when Andrew Freeman took over. But, you know, heads are going to roll if there's not postseason success or at the very least, if there is massive postseason embarrassment, which is probably more so defined the Dodgers tenure with Andrew Friedman than not uh, you can't get eliminated in the NLDS as you know one of three best teams in baseball two years in a row and three out of the last four it's just not acceptable um, the Giants extending Farhan Zaidi I don't know why there is that's that's complacency at its finest it's a former Dodgers guy within the division Obviously is a smart baseball dude, but they have not done a single thing under him except win 107 games one year and then get swiftly eliminated in the first round. It literally feels like, hey, you got Bob Melvin, like, congrats. Now exactly. You years. Yeah. Um, so I don't. And look, this is not I understand there's there's a there's a flip side to all this. I think that you have to be somewhere in the middle. I think bad organizations make hasty decisions. Bad organizations do one of two things. They sit there and they allow the mediocrity to pursue or they let the same processes that don't work to last, you know, four, five, six years longer than they need to. Or they make constant hasty decisions that set the team back. You know, you fought like somehow it hasn't somehow it's worked for the Red Sox, but you'll never see a regime of five different regimes in a 20 year span and have it re- and have it result in positive output in championships and and division titles it just doesn't work like that um so you need to be somewhere in the middle and a lot of these are the yankees are the yankees are the extreme version of letting the same thing persist over and over again brian cashman's been here since 1998 what damon oppenheimer is 2004 michael fishman's 2005 1938 for fishman i think <laughs> uh 44 for you saw oppenheimer that was the 40s so he's, he's been around it's been around since world war ii i think he went right from uh right from running scouting on where the bomb should drop to running the yankees <laughs> so you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna scout high school uh, he's been looking at a big map going uh okay so we'll do japan and then uh yeah i think we'll do george lombard in the first round <laughs> Oh, man, that's good. I think either way, though, the, the the persistence of this is the biggest problem. Um, and you could see it with how long a lot of these people have last, how long there hasn't been um, there hasn't been any change. Um, and I think like Brian Cashman trying a move like Sean Casey is an exercise it's dangerous because it's like an exercise in him being like, Hey, you know what? I tried it. It didn't work. Now I'm going to go back to doing whatever the fuck I was doing before. And that also didn't work. So, um, there hasn't been enough off the, honestly, like the one bold kind of bold move that they made was let Girardi go after coming in within one game of the world series. And you could argue that was the wrong decision. That was today. I looked back on my Facebook memories and it was me complaining about that. It's actually it's one of the most hilarious threads in Facebook history. I might send it to my buddy. It's like I'm saying 
my post is like Girardi was a kind of frustrating. B shouldn't be fired. C what the fuck. And then the comments are people going terrible move to, I hate it. Bad move, bad move. And then one friend says you could argue Girardi's in-game managing cost them the division and cost them a playoff series this year. I wouldn't mind if they were able to find somebody who's able to maintain Girardi's calm and collected, you know, men persona inside the clubhouse, but is an upgrade on his in-game decisions. I just want to shake my friend from six years ago and be like, oh, buddy, they found somebody so much worse than in-game decisions. Like, <laughs> they found, so, like, you're right. That would have been better than Joe Girardi, but my God, did they fuck up that hire. They truly did. And uh, I, I just – and it's just weird. You don't – there aren't many people who will lose their job after coming within one game of the World Series. Like, it's just bizarre. Where the Yankees draw the line – with decision making and then like shockingly make a weird a, a you know, they they shockingly make some sort of weird maneuver and it's like wait you were why would why are you going to do that you never do this this is not anything you would ever consider why is this happening but either way again whether Sean Casey was the guy or not I don't think is really the topic here the topic here is that once again you end a season with more questions than answers and there is zero, zero urgency. Sean Casey, if he was coming back or he was not coming back, should have been decided within a week after the season. The Yankees audit should have been done by now. Where's that? Where's the there audit? is all whatever is happening at this very moment, the Yankees are dragging their feet. It's it's like one of it's these situations, right? It's like some days you have to stay at work for fucking three extra hours. Mm. Some days you have to work some weeks. You have to work the entire weekend and then you figure it out later. The Yankees have seemingly took vacation after the worst season in 30 something years. And they have, there is nothing in place. They've had one conversation with the Padres about Juan Soto. The Phillies fired some coaches today. What? The Phillies fired some coaches during this podcast. They fired their assistant hitting coach and bullpen coach. They were eliminated on Tuesday. They were eliminated on Tuesday. And they're firing people. Sean Casey self-announces he's not coming back a month after the Yankee season ends. That's, and that's all we've heard. We even heard Hal was supposed to speak this week. The scuttlebutt was like, is Cashman going to join him? Is it going to be a Zoom? We, we haven't seen it yet. It's Thursday afternoon. I don't think he's going to show up unannounced. See you next week. Maybe. Yeah, I don't. It's just very bizarre. And don't forget, the offseason starts five days after the World Series concludes, which would probably give us – two-ish weeks i don't know how they're prepared i have no idea how they're prepared and you're never going to convince me that calling up the padres and saying hey man what's up with juan soto and them saying nothing yeah we'll call you if there's anything hang up it's not a report um of course the yankees should be involved here this is not the, the only reason it's a surprise is because Brian Cashman has bucked the trend constantly of making the obvious move that would improve the roster. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, oh, shit, or if Juan Soto's available, are we really going to avoid him? Because that seems like the layup decision that the fans are going to drive home and the media are going to drive home, and Brian Cashman doesn't want to align his priorities or his decision-making with any of that. Um, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. At this point, um, it shouldn't be at least. This would be a fireable offense if he wasn't involved in any uh, Soto talks if he were to be available. Um, but the kicker here is, I think, part of the larger discussion, and we can talk about other aspects of the Soto deal, was Andy Martino reported this of SNY, and um, 
wrote a decent, um, probably a 300 word article on it, talking about, you know, who the Yankees might give up and um, uh, the details of the conversation and, you know, whatnot, all the other stuff in there. And then the last two sentences featured a rival executive mm-hmm. saying he, Anthony Rizzo could potentially be involved in this deal because the Padres are quote, um, going to, con- going to try and contend in 2024. Sure. Um, this would be far too easy. Stun we, me. It would stun me. It would be absolutely. I think it would be a giant plus for the Yankees. You get, I think first base is a relatively easy position to figure out. It's one of the, it's one of the more deeper ones in the league. Um, and I like Anthony Rizzo, but I don't think his time here has been special. Take away this two month slump, like outside of that, like his time here has been fine. He's been, he's been rock solid, but nothing like where you're like, I'm not trading him or I have to see another year of Anthony Rizzo. He's got $23 million left attached to his name. If the Padres want to take that on, go ahead. Maybe they want to have this thing come full circle since they were the ones who originally traded Rizzo to the Cubs back in, also 12 con- or whatever it was also but. concussed him yeah yeah <laughs> concussed him uh i don't i don't know weird but people are sitting here being like what the f-? and it's like the padres do crazy stuff i'm not i'm not taking this at face value but i wouldn't put it past them to have some sort of creative wacky deal uh transpire here where they get a couple of major league players whether they cost a decent amount of money or not because they want to remain in contention they, ha- they quite frankly have to remain in contention because Manny Machado's not going anywhere. Xander Bogars isn't going anywhere. Fernando Tatis isn't going anywhere. Joe Musgrove isn't going anywhere. Yu Darvish isn't going anywhere. So whether you like that core or not, you're stuck with them and you need to improve the roster around them, especially if you're losing Hayter, you're losing um, uh, Soto potentially, um, and you're losing uh, 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 Blake Snell. Mm-hmm. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There was a hilarious – somebody had a funny mock trade. They were like, this could work for the Yankees, and it had um, Soto and Cosgrove on one side. I was like, did you mean Musgrove? And I clicked Cosgrove. Some dude, Tom, Tom Cosgrove. Cosgrove. yeah. Tom Cosgrove. I was like, yeah, okay, I think I'm good. Like, I don't need to – we don't need to mess up the Soto package with just, like, some guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just don't foresee it actually including Anthony Rizzo. It's deeply odd that a rival executive would posit that. Um, because I don't know, I don't know what a rival executive has to gain. He was just spitballing. I'm like, I don't know, maybe they can just include like a 30 mid-30s first baseman. I don't know, maybe they do, but like unlikely that they do. They want to trade Rizzo, it probably takes the, the Padres are trying to shed like 50 plus million dollars in payroll from what we've heard. If you're gonna give up Rizzo, probably gonna take Jake Cronenworth, probably gonna take another expensive contract. Fine, not, not Tom Cosgrove. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, I'm just saying it's not gonna be like Rizzo and three prospects for Soto. Okay, great. Well, the, the money's kind of a wash there, and it's a longer-term commitment to Rizzo. Um, it would probably have to be Soto and Cronenworth, Soto and Matt Carpenter for Rizzo and oh. four prospects. I mean, it's going to be 
not an insignificant prospect hall. I am tired of people saying the Yankees don't have the prospect hall to get this done. Baseball America ranks them as a top-tier farm system for a reason. The Red Sox farm system is deeply incomplete. I'm sick of hearing that like, they're the ones who are in a great position and the Yankees have no ammo. The Red Sox have Marcelo Meyer, who hit like 180 at AA this year and 230 overall. He's their crown jewel. They have Roman Anthony, who is an extremely toolsy outfielder. They have Kyle Teal, who's probably a future starting catcher in Major League Baseball. They have no pitching. They have a three-man farm system with some lottery tickets at the bottom. The Yankees have overloaded pitching. Spencer Jones at the top, Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza, and Esteban Florial, uh, sorry, and, and Everson Pereira. Florial is a non-factor. But those three guys are major leaguers who just graduated the farm system. They still count to me. You're not going to trade Volpe, but you can trade the other two guys. Um, and there's so much, like, if you think the Red Sox have talent in 18, 19-year-olds at the, at the deeper levels, the Yankees are the best FCL team in the history of the league add in guys like Ben Rice out of nowhere hitting 340 this year and you have a pretty solid farm system uh fan graphs which Red Sox fans love to cite as a, a publication that hates the Yankees farm because they ranked them like 25th they don't re-rank after March this is just true this is not cope this is accurate they rank before the season then players break out and they don't rank again until the next season they have Chase Hampton as the Yankees' 60th best prospect. Good fucking luck if you think they still think that <laughs> after 2023. This is, again, this is just factual. This is not something that you can fight on. Too many Red Sox fans the last couple of weeks are like, Fangraphs hates the Yankee system. Yankee fans saying they haven't upgraded that ranking in eight months. And then Red Sox fans saying, oh, great, now you're finding a way to justify your low ranking. Cope. It's like, it's not cope. It's literally what's happening. It, internet culture is so toxic. You cannot have a real conversation about facts anymore. You just never can. Um, the Yankee system is not terrible. The Yankee system is actually very good, and they have a lot of what the Padres are looking for. Um, I also just hate Marcelo Meyer as a prospect. Now, the issue here <laughs> is that people are now in overdrive because of the Martino report talking about the Yankees and Soto. It's the perfect fit. It's what they need to do. They have not made inroads on a Juan Soto trade just because they checked in with the Padres this offseason. They have not made inroads on a Juan Soto trade because they were scouting the Padres at last year's deadline, which was Martino's other nugget from today. He was like, by the way, I forgot to include this in my piece. The Yankees were scouting the Padres last you summer. Knew that. I know why you forgot to include that in your piece, because it's completely irrelevant. They scout every everybody scouts everybody. Unless you're Jim Harbaugh, that's legal. You can scout everybody. So <laughs> I'm not getting my hopes up. It's it's completely logical. It's what the Yankees have to do. Whether they extend Soto or not, they should extend him. But whether they extend Soto or not, it's how you give Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole the best chance of lengthening their window. As you and I talked uh, about this morning, anybody want to check out the free agent left fielders? Like, the Yankees don't have a left fielder. The Yankees don't have a left fielder. So it's either got to be Cody Bellinger or you put Soto and right, move judge to center, move people. Again, you, you can get creative, but right now the left fielder is either Everson Pereira, Oswaldo Cabrera, like it was last year, or Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Ben Gamel, Corey Dickerson. It just goes down the dumper so quickly. I wanted to do a high tier, mid tier, low tier, and I tried it today, and it's all low tier. It's non starters. It's like. Who's in the Mark Canna has an option that may or may not get declined. He immediately joins the top tier if he's available. That's how dark it is. So they're going to need to make a high profile move, get a center fielder like Bellinger and move him to the left, get Soto and move pieces around because otherwise you're not signing a left fielder and it's just going to be a hole again.
And that's why neglecting left field for two years is the problem. Although, you know who's uh, the biggest sigh of relief, the biggest Brian Cashman didn't do it, thank God, move of all time, is four years and $60 million left for Andrew Benintendi, who put up .2 war last year and hit five home runs, batted two sixty two. That's um, not what you want. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful. I, I, didn't, I didn't even want to trade for him because, obviously, he completely revamped his style of play with a bad team. How how did anybody suggest that that was going to translate into success with the Yankees? Um, it just doesn't work like that. No. Um, and he was more so the product of a very fortuitous Red Sox run. Um, that was his his ascension as a prospect was completely unforeseen um, and ridiculous. You're not you probably won't see many prospects ever rise to the top like that. Oh, Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah, I would go after Kevin Kiermaier, but that's what I'm talking about. Get center fielders, move pieces around, because the left fielders ain't it. So, like, Kiermaier's another great option. If you're looking for a stopgap there while you wait for Jason Dominguez to come back, good call. Like, that's another one. But you're not going to just find a left fielder who works. You're going to have to find somebody at a different outfield position and shuffle pieces around. Yeah, and what do you want to do here, probably? I'm just pulling up the depth chart so I I don't sound like an idiot, but Mm – you uh, you don't want Oswaldo Cabrera playing 100-plus games out there. He's uh, not your starter entering opening yeah. day. He, he was. Uh, you guys, we just did that. Yeah, Everson Pereira has not proven anything yet, unfortunately, at the big league level. Um, if Jake Bowers or Billy McKinney are on this team next year, I will – I don't know what I'll do, but it will. Everson Pereira was confused because Sean Casey's teachings were so different than what he was learning at the minor league level. So we should clear that up. That, that'll that be changed. By <laughs> uh, Floreal is probably not going to be here. I don't know. It's it's figuring out a way to avoid having Kiner Falef is gone. Like, yep. that's the thing. There are, it's going to have to be a trade or it's going to have to be plugging somebody else who's more capable into that position and maybe sacrificing a little bit of the defense. Um, For example, uh, like Kyle Schwarber. I know that's not realistic, but like it would be something like that. Get a really good bat who maybe isn't great at defense or like plays the corner outfield spots in mediocre fashion. And you live with the whatever happens out there. And then you have the, you know, 30 plus home runs or whatever. I don't know who that candidate would be, but the whole thing is to just avoid having a mediocre to bad glove and a bad bat in that position. And I know that sounds crazy, but the Yankees have been doing this now for almost three years. So time to move on and figure it out. Everything they do sounds crazy. And that's why this week it was important to note that, look, the Yankees don't, Yankees were 82 and 80. Right? Snuck over 500. Congrats. Diamondbacks were 84 and 78 in the worst division. And they're in the World Series. Is it technically the worst division? In a worse division than the oh. No, I, uh, well, who's Central's in the division? Worse. Dodgers yeah. and the Padres and the Giants. That's a solid division. The Central is yeah. the worst, right? Mm-hmm. Both um, Centrals. Yeah, both Central. Well, yeah, AL Central's brutal. NL Central's nothing to write home about. Um, Middle but, America being ignored, bro. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> those, those owners got to spend, <laughs> right? Those owners got to divest from their tire, uh, you know, tire conglomerate and start investing <laughs> in their baseball team. Um, there is some going on. So the the discourse that it was elicited from that, from the Diamondbacks making the World Series against all odds, here's what it should have been. 
It should have been the Yankees are 82 and 80 and the Diamondbacks are 84 and 78 and they're in the World Series. That period, the conversation is over. It really doesn't say anything about their respective seasons other than to just note their records and say that one is in the World Series. That's as far as it should have gone. It should have just been like, this happened, this happened, and I tweeted it. Unfortunately, it became <laughs> a referendum on like, wow, they really should just spend enough to get in because you never know. Because they're basically there already. The Diamondbacks could do it being slightly below 500 in August like the Braves two years ago. Then why can't the Yankees do it? If you watched watched this year's New York Yankees team and thought that they were like the Diamondbacks, who contended for the playoffs all year, slipped at the end, and then were able to get into a short series and have three aces, then I don't know what to tell you. But the Yankees had Derek Cole this year. That could have helped in a game one. The Yankees did not have a Merrill Kelly. The Yankees did not have a Brandon Fott. They didn't have anybody step up to even be their number two. So they can't do the same thing of like, well, you need five starters in a regular season, but you need three starters in the playoffs. They had one. They had one starter you feel comfortable with in a playoff series. So that's one. Two, the Dimebacks were 84 and 78. This is probably, I'm not saying this is the worst record they'll ever have or them making the World Series is the worst they'll ever do. But this is an ascending team that theoretically this is the worst they'll ever be. Right? Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, Fott, um, Saul Frank, Ginkle, um, why am I uh, Moreno? Like these are a bunch of rookies finding the spotlight in October and excelling in it. A bunch of rookies isn't usually a recipe to a 98 win season, but it could easily be a recipe to playoff success. Great infrastructure. Mike Hazen, great manager, Tori Lavello. They are uh, a perfect underdog story. Do I think they're going to do this again next year? I don't. Do I think they could be a World Series contender again in the next three years? Absolutely. But do I think the Yankees roster, woefully incomplete, full of injuries, using Bowers and McKinney, do I think if you just put them in a playoff series, they could sneak through to the World Series and beat the Phillies, whose best hitters all choked in game six and seven because Kelly and Fott were good and the bullpen was great? Do I think if you just took this obviously inferior injured banged up Yankees roster that never gelled and never got hot and never got healthy at the right time. You just put them in the playoffs. No, I don't think that they could randomly find their way to the world series just because a young, hungry, athletic, ascendant, well-managed, well-run Diamondbacks team did it. That's not a conversation. It's not at all. It's people just putting two numbers together. You want to talk about people who value analytics, Putting those two numbers together and saying, well, this was close is the definition of boilerplate analysis. Yeah. The Diamondbacks were a resilient team all year. They went through a horrible stretch of baseball. They managed to get out of that and be better for it um, when the stage was biggest. The Yankees at no point at any time in this season proved to you that they would be able to overcome any adversity. And they haven't really done that in five years. So the fact that we're comparing a raw and there's also a difference. Like, yeah, if you, if you create an assortment of varying veterans on a team that has a couple of MVP, Cy Young, whatever you want to call it, caliber players. Yeah. You'll probably be 500. Mm -hmm. That's like not crazy to suggest the diamondbacks achieving 84 wins is the equivalent of a, a, you know, a well put together, like star studded roster, probably winning close to a hundred games. 
And I know that there's no tangible way to prove that, but if you've watched enough baseball, you would know that a team comprised of this many young players should have no business even probably cracking 80 wins um, with the manner in which all of them ascended so quickly. Corbin Carroll, I know he had some experience at the big league level. You know, uh, Gabriel Moreno, same thing last year. But yep. um, you also have to remember that part of this, I think the one aspect of this that doesn't matter is health. The Diamondbacks largely stayed healthy. Good for them. The Diamondbacks also made moves that helped their roster. They yep. traded for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. because they knew they needed a corner outfielder and they knew they needed a veteran bat who had 25-plus home run power. They got him. Uh, Madison Bumgarner sucked, and they said, fuck it. You're gone. Doesn't no matter way. how much we're paying you. Yeah. No most way. We don't need most expensive anymore. free agent signing in the history of the franchise. And yes. they were just like, this is not working. You have to leave. Goodbye. Sorry. Evan Longoria. We need an experienced MLB player who could play good defense and is a good enough bat to be in this lineup. Welcome aboard. Good culture fit. Helping out the younger guys. Um, the list goes on and on with the the spot on moves that this team has made. Have they surprised me beyond belief? Absolutely. I thought that they were going to miss out on the playoffs. And obviously you see the clip circulating where if say a Suzuki doesn't drop that fly ball in Atlanta, the Diamondbacks probably aren't even in the playoffs, but guess what? Not really how life works, but to even suggest that the Yankees and Diamondbacks, Oh, you never know. You sneak into the playoffs. Yes, we did know because we saw the Diamondbacks have a really good first half and respond to adversity really well. We saw the Yankees just merely tread water for a full 162 games outside of a two-and-a-half-week stretch at the end of August and the middle of September that you thought you know the tide might be turning. And then they completely shit the bed for the final two-and-a-half weeks of, of the season. So I don't there, – there's no way to conceivably compare these teams – um, out, you know, outside of just the numbers on the page. Like, oh, yeah, they theoretically finished close in the standings. Yeah, a very much a tale of two different rosters, a tale of two different organizations, a tale of two different player development programs and, and uh, um, you know, uh, uh, pulse on the clubhouse, whatever you want to call it. Um, again, Tori Lovello, great decision made. Like, uh, thank God the Red Sox let him go. Thank God. Mike Hazen too. Mike Hazen walk out the door. Like, thank, thank you. Thanks so much. Truly. But you know, you, you look and look at a manager like Lavella, like a couple of games that he navigated properly saved the season. You look at the Yankees, they manage Anthony Rizzo's injury, not the worst way they possibly could do it. Maybe they win 88 games and then they're in the playoffs. Like it's the little things that come down to that. Like we sit here, bitching about Aaron Boone here and there and I know in the grand scheme of things Aaron Boone doesn't matter but you also do need a good manager to navigate your team especially a young one especially one with you know up and coming prospects that need the right influence that need to you know kind of be inspired by their the the, the dugout captain um and Lavello has clearly done a great job in cultivating that talent whereas Aaron Boone has seen various and this could be partially the Yankees organization's fault we know that as well but he has seen countless prospects and top young talent come through those doors and get worse and worse and worse with the exception of Anthony Volpe and Jason Dominguez and I think even so we'd say Anthony Volpe's rookie season left a lot to be desired it did um, yeah, just the, the idea, like, is it possible that the Yankees could have snuck through the playoffs with their current roster? I guess uh, extremely, extremely unlikely. Miracle every third day. Yeah. 
to use an outlier season like this Diamondback season, this is the lowest winning percentage combined ever in a World Series. And if you look at that and you're like, see, that means the Yankees could have made it. I mean, yes, it, technically that means the Yankees could have made it. It means the White Sox could have made it if you let them in. It means the Mets could have gone to the World Series. It means any number of things that wouldn't happen or did not happen. It really has no bearing. And if it happened this year, it means it's probably not going to happen again for another 40 to 50 years. So congrats to the Diamondbacks. I'm getting it done. This year's Yankees team uh, was not making the World Series and should not leave it up to chance and should not pretend that they are able to just be this year's Yankees team and, and go to the World Series next year with no changes. The Diamondbacks made numerous offseason moves to get here. The Yankees were humbled at the end of last season, brought Judge back, not a move, had to do it, but not a move, and then got Carlos Rodon and nothing else. Uh, which leads us to who humbled the Yankees at the end of the last season? Who was that who knocked us out of the playoffs and and won that world? They did win the World Series last year. Um, but I'm starting to forget who they were because uh, for the second time, it would have been so great if the Houston Astros' only World Series title in franchise history was the cheating one. That would be great. It would be great if they never got another one. But two World Series in this dynasty the seven-year run of alcs is they have won two world series i guess it's really hard to win the world series but i feel like if you make the alcs seven times you're going to want to win like two more world series feels fair uh this is the second time ever that a team has lost every home game in a seven game playoff series hmm. in major league baseball who else did that the astros four years ago uh, the Astros did it in 2019 against the Nationals. They went and won all three games at Nats Park and then blew six and seven at home. The Astros did it in this year's ALCS. Blew it, blew it. Martin Maldonado said in game five, they woke us up. They actually, in fact, did not wake you up. They put you back to sleep. Uh, Maldonado was the worst regular in this. That's how you know. It, literally, it's like a canary in a coal mine. If Maldonado is hitting RBI singles, you're like, ah, oh, we're fucked. The Astros are winning the World Series. If Maldonado is striking out in crucial situations, you're like, oh my God, thank God, Maldonado's in the game because they're going to, they, he's, he's not good. He's not a good hitter. And he won't give up the stranglehold on the catching position. The Astros don't die until they're dead. They just absolutely don't. I thought they were still, I thought they had a chance down 8 2 in that game because they did. And then even in the ninth, they wouldn't go away. Altuve home run. We got two guys on base. It's 11 4. Roldis Chapman is in. I don't think anyone outside of Chapman and Craig Kimbrell could have possibly blown that game or made it interesting, but Chapman was in the game. Prepare to blow it or make it interesting. Um, and finally, blessedly, they go down. We don't have to think about them for another calendar year. This could be the beginning of the end of the Houston Astros, who don't win in the ALCS, by the way, unless they face us. They're, they have an under 500 ALCS record in games, yep. unless they play the New York Yankees, who they own. So if you take us out of the mix, they're not that unkillable. You can actually you can go get them. We just can't. Yeah, 12 and 5 versus us, 11 and 14 versus everybody else. In the years that they have beaten us, they are two and three and two for three in World Series. And the one that yeah. they lost was the one against the Nationals. Hilarious. Um, yeah. So um, it's just embar it's embarrassing for us. And I thought I celebrated. It was more so a sigh of relief for me with the Astros. Like, I'm it's not a sigh of relief. It yeah. felt like I'm it's not probably surgery. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking shit to these people. I have no time for these idiots it's one of the dumber fan bases in in sports existence but um it's it's embarrassing for us and i couldn't help but think that because like you have someone like adolis garcia who's never been here 
who got traded for cash, got DFA'd, got DFA'd by the Rangers so yeah. they could sign Mike fulton before 2021. And every team in baseball passed. We don't want yeah. him. He came back. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying the Yankees should have been on there. I know some people are probably uh, of that belief. But just the fact that somebody like him, not even that he could do what he did in in the series in totality, but he can – stare down a team that has legitimately run the league for the last seven years, the American league for the last seven years and tell them to go fuck themselves in game six and seven on the road with the offensive output after they had victim, you know, they had played a role in victimizing him by hitting him with that fastball. And then the, and then you have Maldonado talking shit, acting like Garcia was the instigator when all he did was hit a home run and then got hit in the back with a 98 mile an hour fastball. It's like, what he comes back. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Get nine RBIs in, in the last two games to get them to the World Series. You can't find a single player on the Yankees who has done a fraction of that against the Astros. A fraction of that. And it's beyond embarrassing because you had players like Montgomery on the Yankees that mm-hmm. managed to punk the Astros, never even got the chance as a New York Yankee. Nope. You have someone like Chapman who – fumbled and fumbled and fumbled against the Astros for three – no, no, he wasn't in 2022, I'm sorry. But um, during the regular season against the Astros countless times, in the 2017 and 2019 CS countless times when he was a better pitcher, couldn't handle the Astros. Then he comes in and throws three and two-thirds innings and only gives up one run. I know a couple of those outings were garbage time, but still. Um, you have um, – Corey Seager, who I understand was not a Yankee, but you're watching former Yankees or should be Yankees or players who have such a lack of an experience, but have managed to overcome all the pressure and the bigger moment and have, and have been better for it like Garcia. And you're just sitting there and you're like, what? You have someone in Bruce Bochy who also was available for the Yankees taking, you know, just making aggressive pitching decisions and putting his players in the right spots to succeed. Like it just would be nice to maybe have a manager. I don't know. There's just so many things wrong with the way that the Astros have been handled by other teams while we sit back and watch. And it's not like, I'm not saying it should be easy, but it's like, should we be getting steamrolled every time? Because I understand you lose six games in the 2019 CS, but like you were fighting tooth and nail to make it competitive and you still didn't. The Yankees didn't. And then you get swept in 2022 and you're, you know, you're theoretically supposed to be better. And then this underdog Yankees team in 2017 that had no business being in the, in the ALCS was the one that came the closest to slaying the Astros one game within the world series. And it was, you know, it was, it was a competitive series the entire time. Um, because in 19, you felt like they were dead after losing those two games at home, and you're like, yeah. right, this is a waste of time. But, I was at game four. It was the saddest. One of the yeah. saddest games I've ever attended. They get killed to knock on short rest. Sabathia comes out to the mound, rips his shoulder apart. Like, they're not winning the series after no. that. And you just, you're watching these other teams, like even the Nationals, even, um, you know, the Rays that one year. And it's like, how are these other teams managing to overcome whatever the obstacle or the roadblock is and the Yankees are sitting there like they, A, can't figure it out. They've been dumbfounded time and time again, and they've gotten worse. Worse and worse and worse over the course of seven years against the same opponent that actually also had gotten worse. 
Yes. You lose Carlos Correa, great player, intrinsic to that culture, in my opinion, gone. Okay, fine. We'll beat your ass with Jeremy Pena. You lose George Springer, also a very intrinsic player to that. Great. We'll put Chaz McCormick in there. He'll kick your ass too. I don't know any of these pitchers that they've had. or where, I mean, I do know who they are, but like, where do they come from? Where, do they, where does Brian Abreu come from? Where does uh, wh- where does Christian Javier come uh, Before his Game 7 meltdown, where did he come from? Four games. Can't hit him. Nobody can hit him. Yankees can't hit him. Luis Garcia, you are signing people for $50,000 and turning them into aces. That's unbelievable scouting. The Yankees do not have that. Yeah. And I don't know. It just – I understand it's not easy. All these other teams that have taken down the Astros since um, the only team that had it easy was the Red Sox. They they got that done fairly fairly efficiently and quickly. Um, but that was because they had a mole in our Alex Cora coming over to Boston and probably knew, you know, on top of cheating, knew everything else about them. Well, to, yeah. Con- yeah. Connor Stallion's friend, the Red Sox video room coordinator, <laughs> had a little something to do with what that. What was that guy's name? J.T. Watkins? JT Watkins. Yeah. Again, don't, it was just him. It was JT Watkins going rogue. We got him. We fired him. Don't worry about it. The video room coordinator propped the door open. We, we messed up. That's a mistake. That's on he us. He set up all these TVs in the dugout and we were asking what he was doing. What? Running cables underneath the floor. What are these? He didn't even tell the players. He, he, the players didn't even know they were stealing signs. He's the only one who knew what he was doing. Um, yeah, it's embarrassing. That was an embarrassing year for baseball. It's been five years since the Red Sox won the World Series. That's great. It's been 14 since the Yankees were in one or won one. Next year, it'll be 15 because we're not in the 2023 World Series. Mm. So we're reaching 15. That's the longest drought in franchise history without re-entering the World Series. 15 ties it. Wow. But if they don't make it next year, they're beating it. So we are – if we don't make the World Series in 2024, it's the longest drought in the history of the New York Yankees franchise not making the World Series, not counting their years as the Highlanders. You know, Technically, the longest they've ever been without being in a World Series is the first 20 years of their franchise existence. But they were the Highlanders count. until 2013. I do not – until 2013. Until 1913, I don't count that. Um, the Houston Astros are able to uh, crumble in the face of adversity every time they play anyone other than the New York Yankees. But shout out to the Jose Altuve home run that you hit in game five of this series uh, that defined the generation that was going to be on Jose Altuve's Hall of Fame montage. They were going to show it in Cooperstown. It was the biggest win of the entire Astros dynasty. It got them basically another ring. It would have gotten them to the World Series against the 84-win Diamondbacks. They come home, and they can't close it out with Posey's and A's Christian Javier on the mound. No matter what team you're a fan of, you hate the Astros at this point in time. There's no way there's anybody out there who's still neutral on the Astros. It was a joyful way for their season to end, especially because they tried to cheat one last time because Brian Abreu got suspended for chucking baseballs at Adolis Garcia. And while they appealed his suspension, he was able to pitch in game six. And then after game six, they upheld his suspension, but said, let's wait and do it next year anyway, because we don't want to mess with game seven. Why is that the right decision? The upheld suspension saying that you did what we thought you did. We still believe you hit him on purpose and you should be suspended for it, but not now because it would be too uncomfortable and annoying for the Astros to not have one of their top relievers in game seven. Let's do it later. We all agree he did it. Suspend him later. Kick the can down the line. Suspend him for the opening series of next year. Suspend him for the ring ceremony. Get real. Anyway, he came in at game seven and gave up some runs. So karma got him. The Houston Astros lost the series. And now Dusty Baker, the only redeemable part of the Astros, is riding off into the sunset. So that's awesome. It feels good all around. 
and somebody made the excellent point. I think it was, I don't remember who's, I wish I remember. It's whoever's, I feel like it was Alden Gonzalez. Who's ever writing about them for MLB.com was like, hey, now that the season is over, can we all acknowledge that getting Justin Verlander back, paying a good portion of his salary, and trading your top two prospects just to do that is kind of a thing that desperate teams do? Yeah. Like, if they'd won the World Series, obviously, yeah, okay, one last ride, the old cowboy Justin Verlander's back. Now you're starting to lose pieces. What you have now clearly isn't good enough. The Rangers overwhelmed them. The Astros got really lucky. Astros maybe should have gotten – if Max Scherzer doesn't start in game three, we don't even know how far this series goes. Your top two prospects are now Mets. You're betting on a he'll, – he'll be 41 next February 20th. That's who you're trading prospects for, and it did not get you another World Series this year as the roster starts to fall apart a little bit. Jose Abreu did it in the playoffs, not in the regular season. Rafael Montero didn't do it in the regular season either. Every move they made last offseason backfired. Still almost got to the World Series. But that move starts to look more and more desperate as time marches on. If they win the World Series, all is forgiven. They didn't. Now, it smells a little funky. Yeah, I'm not going to fault them for that because that's kind of what – if you believe in your team and, and look, they were again, one, they, they should have, they should have in theory one, they didn't, they choked. And um, that's the end of the story. But um, I think that at the very least, we can hope that that comes back to really bite them because you have Altuve hitting free agency after next season, Mm. Bregman hitting free agency after next season. If I'm Verlander, I'm fucking out after next season. Make your forty-four million next year. Who cares yeah. about the twenty million vesting option? Retirement tour, like yeah. go to the All-Star game. Yeah. Get your everybody gives you a base. Yeah, the Yankees play a video of them dominating you, or the Red Sox. The Red Sox love to do that. They're like, we wish you well in your retirement. Here's a video of us kicking your ass on the big screen, and the players always like that. I don't like. I don't remember that fondly. And the Red Sox are like, well, who cares? Um, <laughs> take your victory tour. He'll walk away. Exactly. Framber is done after 2025. Kyle Tucker is done after 2025. He choked in the playoffs, by the way. I called He's him a future Yankee good. last year. Not so much. Worst player yeah. in the lineup. Yeah. Um, Kendall Graveman done after next year. Ryan Presley, mutual option. There's a lot of guys going either going out the door or potentially going out the door after next season. But this coming season, they're going to need a new manager. Um, they're going to need uh, – they're going to need a couple more pieces because you have um, a number of bullpen guys hitting free agency. Brantley's hitting free agency. Um, Maldonado's hitting free agency. I know he sucks, but that's you know kind of a valuable piece. I, I wouldn't be surprised if another team paid him to be like a stabilizer behind a young catcher or something. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot here, um, and you can only hope that them getting rid of those top two prospects for Justin Verlander in hopes that they would get the World Series this year actually legitimately screws them because you have. Um, Alvarez, who's probably not going to be able to play any outfield in a year or two. I mean, we've seen him move out there. It's pretty bleak. And Kyle Tucker hitting free agency. So you're losing two outfielders in theory. And the two that were going to replace him were right there. And now they're on the Mets. Yep. There you go. It's been very fun talking to Astros fans this week. One last break, the Brian Abreu thing. And it didn't even work out for you. What a bummer. Yeah. Uh, So if the Yankees can bother moving forward, if they can bother moving this roster forward, they can find some actual solutions. The door in the American League is beginning to open for them a little bit. Texas Rangers, great story. I don't think anybody's watching them being like, that is a dynasty. It's a very good baseball team. Could have won, could have lost. It started Andrew Heaney in game four. 
90 win regular season team that gave away the division at the end of the season. There's no truly great AL team right now. Could be you. If you want to be it right now, it's not right now. Nowhere close. You want to be it? Could be you. That is it. for This edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast coming in right at the one hour mark. That's what you guys are asking for and begging for, right? We love doing an hour for you, don't we, folks? Thank you for joining us on the stream live every Monday, Thursday. Again, 2 o'clock Eastern, most Monday, Thursdays. But come back at 3.30 Eastern next Monday. Subscribe to the channel. Turn on the notifications. Don't miss it. That's the only way to be informed on the videos we post and when they go up. We hope to have great content for you for the rest of the offseason season. Winter meetings for sure in the next regular season going to be a big one for us and for all of you. This offseason is going to be nuclear, whether the Yankees do business or not. I trust Oppenheimer to make it nuclear. Uh, no matter what actually happens, we will talk about it and scream about it. Hopefully enjoy it. But if we don't, again, we'll be right here not enjoying it with the rest of you. My name is Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. I will never call it X. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Hey everybody again, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanksco Yard Twitter account. It is at Yanksco Yard FS. Um, again, we'll be back here Monday at 3.30, so enjoy your weekend. Over the weekend, if you're bored um, while you're watching some football, head on over to YanksCoYard.com or watch some baseball World Series. Dumb of me. <laughs> yeah, watch the World Series. Don't watch college yeah, watch football. football. Hey, college football season's over already, so yeah. one loss, uh, we're done. Uh, let's, uh, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We got a ton of content there. A lot of off season stuff that we're analyzing and, um, looking at before everything's going to hit the fan, like we said in two weeks. Um, so you guys reading, uh, commenting, um, helping foster the community would be great and very helpful. And we're all having fun while we're doing it. So until then we'll see you at three 30 Eastern live on Monday, right here. Um, and have a good weekend, everybody. Happy Halloween. Have a good weekend. Happy Halloween. I don't know what you guys are dressing up as, but maybe dress up as the specter haunting the Astros. Dress up as 2025 free agency. Get your Framer Valdez jersey. Hopefully it works. We shall see. Should we go with the spooky font next week again? Let us yeah, know. Yeah, no, twice. Yeah, because this yeah. is the weekend where we celebrate Halloween, and then Halloween is Halloween. So, yeah. We have no, to I think we're. Both. I think we're probably going to do it. I think we'll see you on Monday with the spooky font. Uh, until then, take care, everybody. <laughs>